Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our 7th Heaven Podcast. On today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 7, Episode 17 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is High Anxiety, or if you are in Germany, the title is Much Noise About Nothing. Um, just a side note, the story editor on this episode was Barry Watson, so we had mentioned um, when Barry Watson kind of left the show um, to seek treatment for... I, forget, I believe it was leukemia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he had taken kind of more of a, a backstage role, so this was one of those episodes. Um, so anyway, our IMDb user synopsis is, Lucy tells Kevin she is thinking of quitting school, and he tells her the wedding is off if she quits. Annie and Eric help another couple face their marital problems and share their own problems. Roxanne leaves the police department. Very Stellar. Mis- very misleading. Anyway, <laughs> what was your first impression of this episode? Um, well, first of all, I feel like this episode was wrongly named. The, like, the theme of this episode wasn't really anxiety. I felt like it was more just people quitting and then unquitting. Because of their anxiety. Um, and I don't know if it's just because I'm high, highly irritable all the time now. But I just, I don't know. Just don't, now? Just, all the time. Um, but I, I feel like I've lost patience for a lot of the characters. There's no one that I like anymore. I'm like, okay. Simon is harmless to me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, he's not that annoying. He's kind of very... Um, I agree with that. Simon, I'm, I don't he's have... He's like harmless and he's like having like normal issues, not like everyone else he has like very yeah, ordinary no, teenage problems um and like surprisingly enough lucy was the least annoying to me in this episode which like rarely happens but i don't know i think it was just because you know i don't know i'm not feeling it today i wasn't feeling it today seventh heaven you didn't you didn't get me <laughs> anyway um so i guess we will get into the episode with the cold open which was Filled with acting, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it starts with the Rev kind of um, thrashing about in bed and, and taking very deep breaths. And he pops up and Annie is like, oh, you had the dream again where you were like naked or something? And like, haha, this people have these dreams where they're naked in front of people. And I've it's actually horrifying. never had that dream. I have never had that dream either. Uh, and... Well, anyway, apparently it happens. <laughs> Let us know if you've had the dream where you are naked in front of people. Or is this something Im- that, like, television tells us is something that happens but actually doesn't really happen? I mean, it had to have happened to someone once so that the television <laughs> trope could start. Uh, so, and we learn that it's because he believes he was naked in front of everyone at Lucy's wedding um, or just wearing his underwear. Being naked would be too risque for Seventh Heaven. Um, and Annie is just like, go back to sleep. Everything's going to be fine. That's not going to happen. Um, anyway, she goes back to sleep. He continues to ramble on about how he shouldn't have made the first event that he returns to the church be Lucy's wedding. He's going to forget the vows. He's going to, which the, this, the Reverend doesn't need to know the vows. The couples, the couples exchange the vows. It, it's all very convoluted, um, just to like remind us that he hasn't been at work for most of the season. And this has nothing to do with the episode at all. Nothing because, at all. Um, well, we're going to start with that storyline, so when we come back from the cold open, um, the Rev wakes up, looks at his watch, and sees what time it is, and he goes, flies down to the kitchen, and he yells at Annie, and he's like, why didn't you wake me? Um, I need to practice getting up early or whatever mm-hmm. so that I can get back into the habit of going to work and stuff, and Annie was like... 
You're not going to oversleep for anything. It's fine. You're being foolish. Um, so meanwhile, in the rest of the house, we see Lucy falling asleep at the kitchen table. Um, it looks like she has like paperwork all around her. So she's obviously been studying. It's supposed to be one of those cute coupley moments, you know, when like one partner, um, you know, like puts a blanket over the other partner who's sleeping and tired and they watch them fall asleep and it's all cuddly. Although in this case... I think because she was sleeping at the kitchen table, that's not the most comfortable. Maybe he should have woken her up and yeah. then, like, go to bed. Or, like, carried um, her. I yes, don't know, something yeah, yeah. Like that. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, that's what they did. We also get a very quick shot of Simon sleeping, but I think it's only so we can see what's on his bedstand, like, nightstand. Absolutely. And it's two of what looks like the same picture of Cecilia. And one is just zoomed in on our head. And the other is just her whole body. Um, so, yeah, don't know why there needs to be two of them, but there are. And not, not any of them together, either. Yes. It's just just Cecilia. Um, and then the last thing we get in the cold open, probably what could have made this episode really interesting, but is just, like, whatever. Um, the, so, Terry Richardson, which you all remember, is Roxanne's father. Or you probably don't, because he's not that important. He's not. He was introduced, I believe, in the last episode. And he comes into... He was introduced before that, wasn't he? I thought he was in the last episode. I think he was in the last episode was when he was introduced, with the whole, like, father of the daughter business. (laughs) Yes, you're you're absolutely right. (laughs) Detective Terry Richardson. Um, so he walks into a local convenience store where he's getting his coffee, and while he's there, a man walks in and pulls a gun on the person at the register, and a robbery is taking place. Um, and then he gets his gun out from his holster and points it at the guy, and the guy, the robber, is like, I know you. He's like, I know you too. And then the cold open ends, and we never know why they know each other, except we do. But not right away. Um, so you're going to have to sit on the edge of your seats because we... Are waiting until the end to get to there. <laughs> yeah. Or you could just skip to the end. Now you gave away oh, our, our secret. Damn. It's in the middle. You have to <laughs> listen to the whole podcast. Anyway, so like we said, um, so we're going to start with the Rev and Annie. They have a super... So surprisingly, their storyline has nothing to do with anything in the cold open. Um, and it has to do with the Hamiltons who have returned. So Rev Ham... And his wife, Mrs. Ham, are... Patricia. Yeah, Patricia. So Patricia and Morgan are back. And we have, like, this kind of, you know, um, Morgan is sitting with the Rev, and Patricia is with Annie, and they're kind of having these parallel conversations about how um, Patricia is concerned because... Morgan, or Rev Ham, wants to go and join a jazz band, and she's like, oh, this is inspired by Eric's little jaunt out of the ministry, and Patricia is like, I said that I married a minister, not a jazz musician, which is exactly what Annie said when um, the Rev was trying his hand at being a radio DJ. Um, and on the other, on the flip side, Morgan is like, you know, I, I've known about this band for a while. They're looking for a drummer or something, and it's fine. this has been my dream, so I'm finally just going to go for it. And the Rev, I don't even know what the Rev says, but Annie is like, we'll figure out how to get your husband back, and the Rev, I don't know. Well, basically what we have here is they, because Rev and Annie are kind of full of themselves, they think that the same thing that happened to them is happening to Patricia and and Morgan, where Morgan's having a midlife crisis, and if Morgan goes and plays with this jazz band, their marriage will be over, because they know how close the, I forgot, 
the Cam- oh, the Camden's marriage was close to ending. With, but was it? But yeah, I mean, it really wasn't. So they, the rest of this episode is dedicated to them kind of meddling um, and playing not matchmaker, but kind of like marriage counselor to their friends. So we have a boring ass conversation between the Rev and Patricia, and then another boring ass conversation between Annie and Morgan, where like they're not even really letting uh, any of like the aggrieved parties speak. They're just like throwing advice at them, like, cliches. Like, communication is important. Love is hard work. (laughs) Don't quit on your marriage. (laughs) Like, all this stuff. And we, like, very quickly find out that there's nothing really wrong with Patricia and Morgan. They're, like, chill. (laughs) It's fine. Their marriage is still, like, strong, and they still love each other. And we find this out because... um the Rev and Annie are like, oh, we're going to leave them to, to, to ha- we're going to make them t- talk out their differences. We're going to force them to stay in the garage apartment until, um, until they can talk it out. So they tell Morgan and Patricia, like, we're leaving you up here for an hour. And Morgan and Patricia are like, tee hee hee, what are we going to do? So of course, like any reasonable person on Seventh Heaven, they are going to have sex. Yes. Um, or it's alluded to who actually knows because they never... They are fully clothed when the Rev and Annie come back, but they're, like, in a blanket making out. Anyway, so we learn that their marriage was never in trouble. Um, And that's what Annie and the Rev quickly find out when they sneak a peek and see that they're all completely fine. At first they try to take, like, credit for, oh, you guys are back in love because of us. But then... They're like, we were never not going to stay married, so... And that's really it. It's really a boring storyline. I could not for the life of me tell you if you asked me um like what the conversations like the intricate conversations between the rev and morgan and annie and patricia even like were about but yeah it's just i don't know i don't know what the point of this was was it to like poke fun at the fact that it was just mirroring exactly what had happened with the camdens so i don't get the yeah i don't understand i don't i mean other than like it being like oh haha they're so full of themselves which I agree. They are, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I don't think Brenda Hampton would do that. So, yeah, um, yeah that's really it for them. We'll get into some of, I, I mean, I guess, like, the more fun, juicy storylines. Yeah, so um, we start, so we're going to talk about Ruthie and Ben, and yeah. this whole thing kind of kicks off, because Ben is, for some reason, still in Glen Oak, um, and uh, Ruthie approaches him. He's in the garage apartment where Kevin lives, and she's like, oh, my mom is going to be doing some work up here or something, which she only needed the apartment so that the Hamiltons could have sex in it. She wasn't doing any work in there. No, she is, actually. She, um, they are, while... Oh, while they're having one of their conversations, she's, like, doing some work or something. They, uh, I believe it's because um, Kevin and Lucy are going on a honeymoon after the wedding, and after that, Lucy's going to move into Kevin's apartment, so they want to fully renovate it for, and, like, that's Annie's job. So I think they were doing, like, a walkthrough to see what they needed to do. I don't really know. But anyway, uh, yeah, so Ruthie wants to get Ben out of the house for some unknown reason. Uh, She's acting very suspiciously. There's, like, phone, like, there's, we see Ruthie for the first time in this episode on the phone, and we don't know who she's talking to, but it's somebody that's clearly she's trying to hide from Ben. So she kind of makes it her mission for the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, I skipped that. To get Ben out of the house, and they end up on the promenade. Um, while they're on the promenade, Ruthie is basically like, I brought you here because you need to find a girlfriend because, I don't know, you're too hung up on Mary or you're, the whole thing with Peter's mother didn't work out, so, um, we gotta find you a girlfriend to keep you occupied. 
So she goes and she finds some woman who... Jill. Jill, um, who she finds and just drags over and is like, hey, this is Ben. He's a firefighter. Look at his chest. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't you want to date him? And... Jill's like, am I on a reality TV show? Yeah. Or are you guys just insane? And it turns out that they're just insane. Um, so no luck with Jill. And Ben's like, you got to tell me what the hell's going on. Like, why are you so, like, invested in my love life? And, and so the truth comes out. We find out that Ruthie uh, has been getting phone calls from Mary all week long because Mary has left a ticket at the airport for Ben to come to come see her in Florida. And Ruthie's basically wanted Ben to get with somebody else. So when she when Ben would eventually find out about Mary's like ticket to get Ben to come to Florida, that he would refuse because she knows that Mary's only going to break Ben's heart. Um so, yeah, I mean, it comes from a good place. Um, when I first watched this episode, I kind of, like, I wasn't, like, mad, but I just was, like, annoyed with Ruthie meddling. But I think I've forgiven her now. It, it's obviously, like, Ruthie just trying to, like, she really likes Ben. She doesn't want Ben to get hurt, and she knows her sister well enough. Yeah. And I get that now. But I think before I was, like... This is weird. Yeah. I was just like, this is not cool. Like, don't hide things from the adults, please. Well, they just had to, like, give Ruthie something to do in this episode, yeah. and this was it. Yeah. Um, so Ben takes this information um, and decides that he's going to go to Florida because um, he needs to, I don't know, because he Mary is the love of his life, and he needs to go track her down and see what she wants to talk about and if they could be together or something, which is... I don't know. I think it's a little bit weird that Kevin is marrying Lucy and now Ben is like still thinks he should pursue Mary because I don't know for the brothers to marry the sisters. Yeah, that is kind of like super eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Um. So um, anyway, we at the end of the episode um, we see Kevin and Ruthie together and they are walking in the Camden's backyard and they look a little bit dejected and they're like, "Well, we tried," and we learn that Kevin and Ruthie went to the airport to try to stop um, Ben, and they're like, oh, well, he's probably halfway to Florida by now. And um, surprise, a cab pulls up in the driveway, and it is Ben. And Ben gets out, and he's like, oh, well, I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. I, I realized, though, before I got on the flight that Mary was just going to break my heart, and that's just, you know, she's going to tear my heart out, and I don't need that in my life. So he decided not to go. I just wanted to say something about this storyline, because Kevin's kind of complaining before Ben shows up about how, like, he can't believe that Ben's going to make a stupid mistake with a Camden, like, sister. And I'm like, literally what you're doing right now, Kevin. You're the one. Like, you're you're not as innocent as you think you are. Like, you're not as mature as you think you are. He's such an enabler of Lucy's behavior. <laughs> but, like, I think what I've come to terms with about the relationship is they're so bad to, like separately that they kind of i guess are okay together like i rather i would never want to pawn kevin off on somebody else nor would i want to pawn lucy off on anybody else so let them they be together. deserve each other yeah, let them just have each other i like not that i like either of them but whatever they can have the garage apartment and just be there um so we'll get to simon's storyline which is all about the sex the sex um and the message is clearly, don't do the sex, or else you're, you'll get in trouble from um, God. 
So um. it starts very weirdly with them sitting across the ta- like across the kitchen table from each other, holding ha- like a hand, and um, the twins, both twins, are on Simon's lap, and they're just staring at Cecilia, um, and they're all. The twins ask, like, why are we staring at Cecilia? And Simon is like, because she's beautiful. And then the twins in this very creepy voice are like, Cecilia is beautiful. And then Annie comes in and is like, what the hell is going on in (laughs) here? And the twins are like, we're staring at Cecilia because Cecilia is beautiful. Um, And that's really all that... (laughs) Yeah. It's just very creepy. Uh, so in that, like, following conversation when it's just the two of them, we find out that they're basically at the same crossroads they were at, like, the first time that they wanted to have sex, which is their relationship has progressed enough, and, like, both physically and emotionally, that they want to have sex, but they know that they shouldn't have sex. So the rest of the episode is kind of this, like, foray into figuring out ways to not be horny, um, so their first attempt is to go see a kid's movie. Um, um yeah, because the options, wait, there's like a yeah. Parisian film, which of course would be very steamy and erotic, or so I presume. So they decide to see Sammy the Squirrel, which is the children's movie. Um, and the idea here is that they will be watching a children's movie, so they will not be aroused. But uh, because they won't be watching the movie because they're bored, they'll be making out. Which is my logic. Which is what they end up doing, and they get thrown out, which is weird because, um, well, because, like, all of the kids in the movie theater are just staring at them. Instead of watching the movie. Um, which is also strange. Um, so they are, like, clearly embarrassed, and they're like, why can't we control ourselves? We need to figure out, like, something else. So Cece's other plan, Cecilia's Cecilia's other plan is um, maybe we shouldn't be around each other because, like, being around each other is what gets us going. So maybe we should only see each other, like, once a week instead of all the time. Um, So they try that for a hot second, but then Simon's like, no. I miss you too much. And they basically, like, I don't know, their, like, resolution to this is very convoluted, and it's basically, like, it's what being in a relationship is, figuring out our limits. Um, And, like, yeah, there's not going to be a solution to this. This is just how we're going to have to live, knowing that we can't have sex, because that's the right thing to do, but that we both love each other so much that we want to have sex. I don't know. I really did not understand the point of this conversation, but at the end of it... They didn't have sex. Yeah. Um, And it's unclear if they will or not. It seems like they're, like, we are being really mature and we're, like, managing our emotions and our desires. <laughs> like, a lot of the conversations are just in circles. Like, at one point, Cecilia is, like, I want, I know that my answer is no, but I also know that, like, sometimes we'll get too far and that I won't be able to say no. <laughs> it's just, like, that's why you have negotiations before sex. Like, or, like, you know, kink negotiations. Do it! <laughs> So you know when to say no. Safe words, they exist. Well, anyway, they this is Seventh Heaven, and that would be too scandalous. It's all for the fanfic I'm writing. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, that's really it. I I think like this is supposed to be like a fun storyline, but it I don't know. Nothing. It was kind of again just like another distraction yeah. from. I don't know. I just I don't know what it was a distraction from. I don't know what the main storyline was in this yeah, episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, so moving on to one that took quite a bit of screen time, I guess. So maybe it was one of the primary um, storylines was uh, Kevin and Lucy. Um, we learned so as um, Tammy said in the beginning, the 
uh, in the beginning we see um, Kevin coming in and, and Lucy's asleep at her books. Um, so we pretty quickly learn that when Lucy wakes up or whatever, she talks to Kevin and she's like, I've been thinking about quitting school because I'm very overwhelmed. I'm not really doing well in any of my classes. Um, and I just think it would be better, like with the wedding planning and everything, I think it would be better for me to take some time off and then go back and finish school after the wedding. And Kevin says, no, you promised me that, um, you were going to finish school no matter what. And you weren't, you know, taking a break is just like the start. Like, I don't know. She's like, Kevin, is it Kevin that says it? Kevin, someone says to Lucy The professor does later on. Well, Kevin is like, no, this was part of, like, so she was like, you can't tell me not to quit school. He says, I can not marry you, though. Um, And this was part of, like, the deal that you were going to finish school and become a minister. So, uh, whatever, Lucy goes to meet with her professor, and she bounces this idea off of the professor, and the professor then says that, um, in his experience, most people who take time off don't end up coming back, um... And that's she. She doesn't. She's she unfazed like, by this, obviously, because she. We like see her next telling. Um, what's his face? Telling Kevin that she's quit school. They have another intense conversation where Kevin's like, "I'm postponing the wedding. If like you need the time to focus on school, then focus on school. We'll postpone the wedding." Even before this, he seems to be very willing to help her by throwing money at the problem. <laughs> he says he'll, he'll hire somebody to help her if anything. Um, Kevin. There's not really much, like, conflict in this. Like, there's a lot of, like, longing and, like, hurt looks between the two of them. But, like, Lucy He's very... just disappointed. Yeah. But Lucy very quickly is like, thank you for supporting me. I love you. We'll figure it out. I'm not going to quit school. There's no, like... I feel like this was a ve- this was very, like, a uh, very open storyline for Lucy to lose her shit. Yeah. And, like, make a scene about it. But she... It was very calm compared to usual Lucy reactions. So, yeah, uh, wedding's not postponed. She's going to still try to, like, give it a go at school, so we'll see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing that's kind of taking up Kevin's time in this episode is Roxanne. So as we mentioned in the cold open, a robbery is taking place that involves Roxanne's father, Terry. We, unfortunately, do not get to see any of the rest of the action in that episode, in, like, in in that robbery. Everything just goes after the robbery. So Roxanne calls Kevin... um, tells her tells him that uh she's been called by detective michaels to come to the station it has to do with her father and kevin is like a good partner and a good friend so he's there for her and they both go to the station together where they find out that terry was involved with a robbery and uh had to shoot the robber but the the problem and the reason that he's being investigated is because the person he shot was somebody he knew and the person he knew is the person who killed Roxanne's mother. Allegedly. Suspected to. He oh, was so never... they never caught the guy? No. Was... Well, yeah, I was, th- I was wondering that. I was like, why isn't this guy in jail? Yeah, they think that he's the one that killed it, killed Roxanne's mother, but there's mm. there's no court of law that said that. Yeah. So. So, still on the lamb. Yeah, still on the lamb. We don't know if that's the truth or not. But he's dead now, so. So, yeah. Anyway. Um, and... By the way, the my first impression of the robber when he was the robber and not the was I wrote he was like schleppy looking, um, so he's like the least likely to ever be cast as a robber in anything because he absolutely did not fit like the 
I don't know. I'm just thinking of in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, the guy who kills Uncle Ben. Like, oh, okay. It's like, like the perfect robber. Yeah, like right, he just right. like is like kind of like grungy looking, and he had the skull cap on, and <laughs> yeah, this guy just looked like a father. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like just your average sad. suburban like, father. I, yeah, I wonder why he's robbing this grocery, uh, this convenience store. Um, so a lot of the episode is spent with Roxanne kind of being, I guess, anxious, which is a a callback to the title of this episode. She's like, why are they investigating my dad? He's done nothing wrong. Like, she's very adamant about the fact that he acted in, like... In self-defense or, yeah, in defense of the, of the store clerk. Um, so then they tell her, oh, it's the, and then Roxanne is like, good, I'm glad he's dead. My dad did the right thing. Like, like, screw that guy. Um, so. Chandler eventually shows up, um, as well. And Chandler has, well, okay. So at first when I was like, aren't, in something like that, the guy was armed. Yes. But isn't the first thing that police officers are supposed to do is, like, shoot someone in the leg so they can't escape, but, like, just, like, so you're able to disarm them? Like, shoot them in the kneecap so that they're, like, not killed. There was no reason to kill this guy, in my opinion. Um, but we uh, we honestly don't know anything about what actually happened. During, yes, yeah, like, the guy might have shot first. Um, or, like, he we maybe the shot went somewhere and then he died eventually. Like, who knows? Like, yeah, yeah. Any of this stuff. But basically what we find out is that Terry Richardson is resigning from the police force, and uh, Roxy has kind of, like, a very adverse reaction to this, and she's like, oh, he's being forced out. And so Chandler and her have a very intense conversation at the promenade where we get some of Roxanne's feelings about crime and punishment as compared to Chandler's. Yeah, so, like, Roxanne is basically like, whatever, I'm proud of my dad. He's like a vigilante. He finally brought this guy to justice. And... Um, very astutely, uh, Chandler is like, well, the police don't believe in vengeance. They believe in law. And I was like, apparently not Roxanne, who was just like, well, this seems like the right outcome for me, so I'm okay with it. Roxanne also, like, decides to quote the Bible at Chandler. She's like, an eye for an eye. And, but then Chandler's like, yes, but also forgiveness and turning the other cheek. And so, uh, (laughs) Roxanne then decides to insult Chandler by calling him a bleeding heart liberal. Um, yes, who thinks the that, worst of all insults. Um, but, but because he deci- because he seems to care more about criminals than law-abiding citizens. It's all, um, it's all very intense. Mostly because you know that Roxanne's coming from a place of hurt, because her point of view is from a victim. Her mother was killed by someone who mm-hmm. wasn't brought to justice, and Rock and Chandler's obviously point of view is from somebody who hasn't experienced any of these feelings and he's just kind of like well we should let the law do its thing instead of um let people do whatever they want there's a lot of things that are brought up in this scene specifically which could be fun to explore but obviously seven seven doesn't know how to have fun um (sighs) but because you know there's a bit where uh, roxanne's like oh it might be because my dad killed the guy on purpose and there's you know there's like all these other like nuances about police work that could have possibly been explored but that didn't happen um so somehow chandler like this is all off screen gets in touch with um 
Terry and Terry finds his daughter later in the evening and they kind of have it out where Terry gets rid of all of Roxanne's misconceptions about what went down at the investigation and at the police station. So we find out that Terry wasn't like forced out of the police force. He resigned because his inner turmoil is finally over. Apparently the thing that's been driving his career for all these years has been his wife's death. And now that apparently his wife's murderer is dead, he's no longer feels like he needs to work. That's what I got from that. Yes. Even though we don't know if that was actually his wife's killer. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and he left because he feels at peace and he wants to do something else with his life and he doesn't think that Roxanne should quit on his account. Like, he knows that she did it in solidarity, but there's no solidarity here. And she's like, oh, dad, I love you. And he's like, oh, I love you too, daughter. (laughs) Wait, and I just, I, I don't know. This was like the whole thing... The, the the before the robbery started, like the Mr. Richardson was talking to um, the store clerk, and he was like, "You know, Roxanne's dating a minister," and like there was still this like resentment, and now they're just like, "It's all okay." Yeah, I feel like this episode would have made been, like made a little better if we actually saw the scene where Chandler went to Terry and was like. Speak to your daughter. I know that we hate each other, but we both love, I don't know, something bullshit like, you know, yeah. that TV does. But instead, we completely missed that scene, which I felt like would have been crucial to this storyline, like having that resolved. Um, and yeah, anyway, they're like fine now. So Roxanne goes and apologizes to Chandler. And, and presumably gets her job back. We didn't see that, but... Um, yeah, because the episode decided to end on them too, which I thought was weird. I I feel like most of the time it usually ends on a Camden family member. I would have liked to see like Detective Michaels play hardball and be like, "No, you can't have your job back. You <laughs> you resigned. <laughs> you done. You done resigned." Um, I I would like to see more of Detective Michaels. Period. Honestly, <laughs> like yeah. I, I I we've mentioned this a bunch of times on this podcast with this season especially. So we're sorry if this is kind of like uh, a broken record, but it's. I am not invested in characters like Terry and Chandler and Roxy. It makes sense when they're involved in other characters' lives, like when you have Roxy interacting with Kevin or Chandler interacting with Lucy or the Rev. But when they have storylines on their own, I have Yeah, it's just like... like Yeah, Terry was just like the least... Uh, we, we didn't even see him for most of the episode, but it, it felt like it was about him. Yeah. And he I was, was mentioned just so much. not really invested at all. So what would you rate this episode? Um, I mean, it was pretty standard. I it didn't nothing really really irritated me other than I don't know. No, I'm gonna give it a, a solid three. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I was gonna go for a two point five, but I feel like I'm just being harsh if I do that. So I'm yeah. just gonna give it a three as well. It yeah. was just your standard. It was like, whatever, another episode of Seventh Heaven. I wish that the Camdens had... I, I really wish that the Camdens had more to do in this yeah. episode. Because, yeah. like, they could have done more with Simon and Cecilia's, like, oh, will we, won't we kind of thing. Um, and they didn't, so... And the Reverend Annie had nothing to do with any of the other kids. Yeah. I feel like it would have been... It would have been actually good to have the Rev involved somehow in the Roxy channel like you know that yeah thing. I, I feel like that's a perfect opportunity for him to meddle yeah but also we don't like his meddling so maybe it was know. better but i feel like we will say this we don't like his meddling but most of the time his meddling is very it's it gets the job done uh, i don't know uh, i don't know i feel okay. weird saying that okay yeah um so we've been uh we actually recently got um 
a great tweet at us. Like somebody yeah, said, this it a was meme. like it was like a meme of a Seventh Heaven meme, and it was like when you're trying to hold it all together, and it was the opening credits because, as you know, the name of the dog that plays Happy is Happy, so it was like and Happy as Happy, <laughs> like yeah, it was. Re- we liked it. It was really funny. So we, I enjoyed it. Yeah. So if you have something that you want to send us, if it's like. Uh, if you've made your own Seventh Heaven meme, we'd love to see it. Um, so you can get in touch with us by uh, emailing us at camdencast at gmail.com or catching us on facebook.com slash camdencast. We are on Twitter and Instagram where our handle is camdencastshow. Um, and we upload new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday, which are available on the iTunes Apple Podcast app on soundcloud.com slash camdencast. And Stitcher. I'm Tambi. I'm Erin. And this is Camden Cast. <laughs>